If you don't have an email list, then you don't have a direct line to your customers. Reaching your clients, audience, supporters, and fans with the right message at the right time in the right place becomes easy when you've got a strategic email list in place. My email list is the number one way I drive profits in my business. And major bonus here, it's a lot easier and way more fun than you might think. That's why I'm teaching a free live workshop all about growing your email list called From Zero Subscribers or Zero Strategy to an Engaged Email List That Lasts. I'll show you how to kick off your email list building strategy with no fear because I know it can be scary to start something new in your business. Save your virtual seat at growanemaillist.com. Inside of my free live workshop, you'll learn why email marketing is 10 times more effective than posting on social media, my secret to sending out weekly emails without adding a ton of work to my plate, my best tips for getting people to hit subscribe, and what to actually say to them to convert them from subscribers to paying clients and customers. Save your seat now at growanemaillist.com. That's growanemaillist.com to get started with an email list strategy that drives real results. I'll see you at the masterclass. You just want a larger than usual cash cushion available to draw from that you during lean months could tap if you needed, but then replenish it during the fat months where like things are going really well. Hey, my name is Jenna Kutcher and I am obsessed with all things business, marketing numbers and helping you to navigate both the messy and the magical seasons of this thing called life. I'm a small town mama who took a $300 camera, grew a successful photo biz, and now I work from home and run a seven figure online business. I teach you the tried and true secrets to building a career you adore. Shy away from the real talk? (laughs) No way. Money, hardship, growth, loss, and marketing are all topics we discuss here. Think of this as your one-stop shop for happy hour with a gal pal mixed with business school. Pull up a seat, make sure you're cozy, and get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn. This is the Gold Digger Podcast. So many of you who listen to this show have either started a side hustle business, left your job to pursue your business full-time, or you've been a business owner for a while now. And you know you can't talk business without talking about money, profits, losses, taxes, paying your staff, investing in resources to keep things growing, the cost of doing business. It's a lot to wrap your brain around, especially if you started your business to do what you love every day while also hopefully making money while you do it. In this episode, I am thrilled to have money expert Katie Gaddy Tossin here to dig into a full range of money topics, especially relevant to side hustlers and full-time entrepreneurs. Katie is the voice and face behind Money with Katie. She's been writing about personal finance since 2018, and now she's talking about personal finance on her Money with Katie podcast too. Making money as a contractor? We're digging in. Taxes? We'll talk about them. Budgeting with a variable income? Yep, we've got that covered too. Here she is, Katie Gaddy Tossin. Looking for a new show to add to your podcast library? Well, look no further than Being Boss podcast hosted by Emily Thompson. Being boss is an exploration of not only what it means, but what it takes to be boss as a creative business owner, a freelancer, or a side hustler. Being boss is another amazing resource for anyone interested in getting inspired and more importantly, getting started. I absolutely loved Emily's recent episode all about achieving work-life balance. It's a hot topic for my team as we enter the new year. 
Emily shares five top tactics for achieving a good work-life flow, whatever that looks like for you. And I totally resonated with how she feels about balance. Being Boss is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Listen to Being Boss wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, I feel like I landed a guest that I have had on my radar for so long. Katie, welcome to Gold Digger. Oh, thank you so much. It is so (laughs) surreal to be here. Oh my gosh. You know, what's so fun is like nothing. Like I am the person who like literally like whoop, like hollers when I see other women just like crushing it. And whenever I scroll the business podcast on iTunes and I see you and money with Katie, I just like audibly cheer. It's so exciting. (laughs) So this is just really great. Okay. So First, I just need to know some of your backstory. Now, I have listened to your show. I've heard more of the recent things Mm -hmm. that have gone on in your life. Take me back a little bit. When did you first become interested in personal finance? Oh, my goodness. Well, I used to be super avoidant with money. And if I had it, I was spending it. Like money really burned a hole in my pocket. And I think my parents candidly were really worried about what kind of adult I was going to be once I had steady access to a paycheck, because like the moment I got cash, I was at the mall. And I think to be honest, like nobody comes out of the womb naturally good with money. This is not something that like anyone is just born innately talented with. I think it's like anything else in life. We have to learn it, but I think once you're locked in a fluorescent room in a corporate setting for 40 hours a week, I think you start to value money more because you know what you had to go through to get it. And previously, before I started working, the only money I ever could get my hands on was like, you know, 200 bucks a month, which was my allowance in college from my parents. Or I would work, you know, the like eight to $12 odd jobs on campus and like scrounge up money from those between class and extracurriculars. So when I first got my job, it was mostly more of the same. I kind of refer to it as my like 1970s free love period of personal finance because I just spent (laughs) like everything I was making on bars and fast fashion and like random stuff. But it occurred to me six to 12 months into working full time, like, girl, you are on a hamster wheel. Like you are never going to be able to retire at the rate you're going because I just had very little to show for the fact that I just worked for nearly a year. And, you know, you talk about this in your book, How are you really that like you almost feel guilty for not being more grateful for the day job, but I was reaching the point that I knew I didn't want to do it forever. And that's when I first started paying attention to personal finance advice and like taking the time to really learn the basics. And then it, it was just one of those weird things where like I became obsessed with it and I'm still obsessed with it. Isn't that wild? So wait, what was your day job in? What were you doing and what was the vision (laughs) Yeah. So I was a, it's, it was a great job. That's the thing. I feel like when I talk about this, I make it sound like I was like strapped to a furnace in the boiler room (laughs) of a basement. Like it was not a bad job. I was a brand copywriter for Southwest airlines. So like when you go into the jet bridge and you see the like jokes about two bags fly free on the posters, or like you go to Southwest.com and it's like, Oh, sale $49. That was my life for like two years straight as just coming up with puns. And yeah, that's why like six to 12 months. And I was like, all right, I don't know if I want to do this forever. Yeah. Good gig. But it just, I, I knew in my like gut that it wasn't my like purpose. 
Yes. Okay. So walk me through how this like self-discovery and also (laughs) this curiosity propelled you forward because I often think in life, you know, so often we put so much focus on like the education piece of like, you know, you get your degree in all these things. And if I could change anything, like, especially when I think about my daughters, I wish that they could job shadow the job they think they Mm. want for a full year before they go to get the degree that they need. Because a lot of times it's like we go through school with this vision of what the job will be. Job isn't exactly what we think. Now we have this degree and this piece of paper, but we don't know where to go. So how did your curiosity with finance lead to what we see today with Money Mm -hmm. with Katie? I love that question. So I think it's funny that you mentioned college because I think a lot about the student loan debt crisis in our country and how not only do you not shadow somebody ahead of time, but like they don't even tell you typically how much the job that you want to go into makes like until the end of college when you've already got all your debt. So unless you are a very forward thinking 18 year old, which let's be honest, many of us are not, we're probably not sitting there Googling how much does a public relations professional make? I was just told at 18, you know, you're a really good writer. You're really analytical. You're strategic. If you want to make money writing, you should go into PR. So I was like, yeah. sweet. And then I turn, you know, 21 and I'm graduating and it's like, oh, the starting salaries are 35,000. And I was like, that's, that's for a year to 35,000. Oh, okay. So I was lied to. Yeah. Fortunately, I didn't have any student debt, but anyway, I think that it, the way we approach college in the 21st century is really, really bizarre. And I love that you're thinking ahead for your daughters and kind of like, you know, the type of exposure you want them to have. So did you know, I went to school for PR and I literally envisioned, yes, being in the Hills, like Lauren Conrad, Teen Vogue, 17 magazine. And that was the dream. (laughs) Whatever it was, that was the dream. Literally where I'm like looking back and I'm like, same thing. I was in PR SSA. I like, that was, yes. Yes. Like I did all those things, but it is so fascinating because I think there's this disconnect between what we envision and like what Uh we're working towards versus the reality. And I think that's with any job. I mean, like every job has its highs and lows, but a lot of times we see the glamorized versions of the things we're going after. And then we land there and we're like, this isn't what I thought it was. Okay. Exactly. Carry me forward because I want to know how this curiosity (laughs) led to what you're doing today. This is amazing. So I started reading about personal finance and doing the whole like podcast book, YouTube video, that the whole nine in 2018. So I'd been working, yeah, for call it about a year by the time I started really getting into it. And that went on that way for, I don't know, two years, like where I was just really enthralled and was just digesting so much information and trying to get my hands on as much as possible because I saw in my own life, like I had worked for a full year. I had, I don't know, 10 to $15,000 in savings, which happenstance, right? There was no plan in place. It was just like, oh, there's money left over this month or, oh, there isn't any left over this month. And when there was, I would just transfer it over to savings and like call it a day. But I started to really get proactive about my finances. And in that two-year span, had worked my way up to a net worth of around $100,000 at 25. So after experiencing that, I was like, huh, 
it's pretty amazing that like just some simple awareness and some intention got me to a six figure net worth this young. And I was, you know, kind of new, generally speaking, like what my friends were working with and they all had similar salaries, but had not really been saving intentionally or investing. So I think that was kind of the turning point of like, I kind of want to add my voice to this conversation. I would like to somehow contribute to this and write about it and talk about it in a way where it's something that I would want to read. Like, how would I describe this to my other friends that don't care right now? How do I make them care? And how do I teach them what they need to know? So I think that was kind of the, the impetus for money with Katie, but it really like, I always talk about it almost like a gestation period where like I had this like knowing and this feeling that like I'm supposed to be doing something, but I don't know what it is. And like, I'm not, I just know something's not right. And I felt that way for months. And then when the pandemic started and we were home a lot in April of 2020, I remember sitting down and just like typing in the domain name money with Katie and it was available. And I was like, sweet. So I just bought it. and was like, I'll figure that out later but ended up sitting there for eight hours and like building the whole site, writing several posts, just like going all in and then getting up eight hours later and being like, Oh my God, eight hours just passed. Like I was just so deep in flow state. I didn't even know what was going on. I had no Uh idea. I just spent all that time doing it. And I think that moment was really where I was like, I'm onto something like this is this, I haven't felt this way about anything. And I don't know how long if ever. So that's kind of how it, how it all started. Oh my gosh. I love that. You remind me that I own like 832 domains. <laughs> Just in <laughs> case. Really, um, yeah. So I want to know this. So you actually recently talked about this in one of your episodes that I loved. And you were just talking about how like, we've almost like turned this nine to five philosophy into like mm-hmm. this demon. Like we've really yeah. just like gone after it. And it's really interesting because I've been thinking about that so much in when I wrote my book, mm-hmm. at first I wrote a business book. And then I recognized that like, no, this isn't about business for me. Entrepreneurship is the answer. It mm-hmm. unlocks the type of life I want, but mm-hmm. I think you can have a full rich present, like awake life, whether mm-hmm. you're working a nine to five or a side hustler or you're yeah. a stay at home parent or whatever that is. And so I'm so grateful that my book opened up to more. So my question for you is this, once you had that eight hour flow state day, (laughs) did you go all in or did you start as a side hustle? Because I think side hustlers are often forgotten in this conversation. Yes, And I think they're the people we should be saluting more. (laughs) I love it. And you know what I'll say? I agree. I also believe that entrepreneurship is the answer for me and for for people like you, like, and probably for like listeners of gold digger. Like, I think there's a certain personality type that really thrives in that arena. And there are others that really thrive with more structure and guidance and mentorship. And I also think that like, for me personally, there are things about working nine to five that I love. And there are things about it that like, I really didn't want to lose. So when I started money with Katie, it was a side hustle, but I wouldn't even call it a side hustle because it wasn't making any money. It was just like, my hobby that I did on the side. And I was side hustling as a fitness instructor at the time. So making four to $500 a month as a fitness instructor, and then writing my little blog posts in the morning and at night. And it went on that way for eight months, I think before I started selling a digital product, which is 
I sell something called the wealth planner, which is basically this like tool that I built for myself to track net worth, spending, saving, etc. And then I was like, I should just like really beautify this thing and like sell it to other people because I love it and it works for me. So it'll probably work for other people. That was the first time that I actually like made money online. And then it was like, dollar signs in the eyes where I was like, Oh my God, I can turn something that I love into income. Like what? So I think that is like such a, such an amazing turning point for people where like, if you do have that itch and then you start Mm -hmm. to see that like, Oh, this actually can be lucrative. Like, wait, what? I think certain personality types will just go full throttle with that. And so I definitely, I spent a lot of my free time and I would dare I say some of my time that I was supposed to be working at my actual job, (laughs) building money with Katie (laughs) up to the point where I was like, okay, it's now starting to feel a little bit silly to spend 40 hours a week on this other thing and only, you know, 15 or 20 on this side hustle that is out earning the Mm full-time job. I think you bring up something that is so important and here's what it is. When you started this whole thing, it wasn't initially to make money. You didn't monetize from day one. And I think a lot of times people attempt to do that and they almost back themselves into corners again, right? Like we start businesses to have more freedom. And then somehow along the way, we find ourselves working 24 seven or not fully, you know, passionate about what we're doing. And I love that you started it without money involved where you were just pouring and serving and experimenting without the pressure of like Mm -hmm. deadlines and paychecks, because I think that changes things. And it also makes you appreciate those first dollars. Like I used to think it was so silly when you go into a restaurant and they have like their first dollar they ever made framed. And I'm like, Oh no, no, no. Every entrepreneur (laughs) will remember where that first sale came from because it's like the first time you make a sale and it's like someone you don't know. And you're like, Wait. You feel like you're like breaking the rules a little yes. bit. I felt like it was like a cheat code. And I think to your point, I always say this, like when people will ask now in a very, fl- like it's very flattering, but they'll be like, how did you have the time management skills? How did you have the discipline to do both? And I will be like, I had no self-control. I just yeah. loved it. Like yes. I really think the secret to successful people and not even really counting myself in that group. But from what I can tell, the people that are the most successful are the ones that are so obsessed with what they're doing that you couldn't stop them from doing it. Like they are yes. irrationally obsessed with what they do. And I think that is kind of the secret sauce. It's not discipline. It's not self-control. It's not fancy calendar apps. And I mean, I'm sure some of that stuff plays into it, but like at the end of the day, the bedrock foundation has to be just like an unwavering devotion to that thing. Yep. Oh, I love that. Okay. So let's dig into some of the like specifics. So Mm -hmm. speaking of side hustles, like what are some financial considerations for someone that is wanting to, or starting to add a stream of income while maintaining a full-time job? What is something that they should be thinking about? Well, first of all, I will say if you're at the point where you're adding new streams of income, you are already in a very impressive upper echelon of earners and hard workers because fewer than 10% of Americans have more than one stream of income based on some 2020 census data that I downloaded from some very janky government website. So good for you. And as far as financial considerations go, I think there are a few ways to think about this. So the first is through the lens of taxes. If your new source of income is technically 1099 self-employment income, 
it's yeah. likely that you have not paid taxes on it yet, right? Like you're getting the checks directly from other people or from a payment processor. And the IRS always finds a way to get its hands on your bag, right? So you yep. want to be aware of how much you're bringing in and that you're setting aside roughly 25% of it for tax season. And if you're going to continue to earn self-employment income and you eventually won't be paying any taxes through your W-2 wages anymore. So like, you know, you have full-time employment right now, but say you're leaving that to just do the side hustle. You'll have to look at starting to pay quarterly taxes on that self-employment income. And that's because income is taxed as you earn it. So you can't go a full year without paying the IRS anything. But for those of you that have a full-time job and you're just doing something on the side, nine times out of 10, a lot of your tax liability, the like majority of it is going to be handled through those W-2 wages. So you shouldn't have to worry about quarterly taxes, I wouldn't think, but you just want to make sure you're setting it aside because you probably will owe something on that income when the time comes. The good news is that there are a few really great ways to minimize that tax liability on self-employment income. The first and easiest that I would know is opening what's called a SEP IRA, S-E-P, and then IRA, and making employer contributions because you're your own employer now. So Mm -hmm. you get to make these contributions to this account as if you are the employer. So the SEP IRA is a pre-tax investment account that you can contribute 20% of your net business income to and defer taxes on the income for later. So if you've made your business official, meaning like you've incorporated and you've got an EIN number, you can open something that will probably allow you to put in a little bit more, which is a solo 401k. And you can make employer contribute employee and employer contributions to that. The second thing that I would think about is through the lens of budgeting. So Mm -hmm. often when we start to make more money, we don't tend to buckle down. We tend to ramp up. So like if you're not paying attention, you'll probably see more zeros in the checking account and then start spending accordingly, which is totally natural. I mean, it's a very normal reaction. And I think everybody kind of falls victim to lifestyle creep in some way or shape or form. I know I have, but it's just important to revisit your numbers once you do have a recurring source of extra income and make sure that you are bumping up saving and investing too. And that it's not like the leaky bucket problem where yes, you're putting more money into it, but like it's just going back out the door. So those would probably be like the first major considerations that I would think about. Trust me when I say I am not the most tech savvy entrepreneur out there. Like you will not hear me saying it's almost too easy when I'm talking about tech because tech usually isn't easy, especially for me. Tech for me is usually too complicated, too busy and too frustrating when it should be just plain easy. Until now, HubSpot CRM platform is ridiculously easy to use, learn, and love. That's because it's a handcrafted, sophisticated system designed for the way teams actually work, not a bunch of cobbled together tools that don't work well together. With a suite of powerful tools that seamlessly connects your teams and customizable hubs that you can add or subtract as you grow, it's not almost too easy to use. It's easy to use, period. Imagine giving your clients a delightful experience and having a delightful time doing it. Learn how HubSpot can help your business grow better at HubSpot.com. Gold diggers, we all know the B2B landscape can be a bit complex. From lengthy buying cycles to complicated decision-making processes, reaching your target audience can be tough. But I found a solution tailored just for you. 
LinkedIn ads. A whopping 79% of B2B content marketers say LinkedIn produces the best results for paid media. That's because with LinkedIn ads, you're not just casting a wide net and hoping for the best. You're strategically building relationships and driving real results. We're talking about a platform with over a billion members, including 180 million senior level executives and 10 million C-level executives. You are networking with the actual decision makers. And LinkedIn's targeting and measurement tools are specifically designed for B2B marketers, meaning you're not wasting time or money on irrelevant leads. In fact, in the tech industry, LinkedIn ads have been shown to generate two to five times higher return on ad spend compared to other social media platforms. Using LinkedIn ads allows you to stay ahead of the curve when it comes to industry trends and developments, whether it's finding the perfect partner for a collaboration or uncovering new opportunities for growth, LinkedIn can be your secret weapon. Make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a hundred dollar credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash goal to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash goal. Terms and conditions apply. Ooh, I love this so much. And you know, it's funny because I feel like it's so easy as entrepreneurs to look back and be like, I did 8 bajillion things wrong. But one of the things I did right was hire an accountant before I'd even earned a dollar. And it was so funny because I had set up my stuff on legal zoom and I had filed not as an LLC. So then I had to basically undo all my sole proprietorship things, but like things like that, where it's like, that will save you in the long run to have Mm -hmm. advisors and knowledge around like what is going to work for you. And I think a lot of people are hesitant to spend, but -hmm. it's like you're spending for security and to probably save in the long run. So I love all of that. And I also, the lifestyle creep thing is so real. And I, if you have a side hustle and you are able to just save all of that money agreed, and leverage the security of your full-time job to help fund the dream, I just think it's going to give you like the landing pad to feel yeah. confident when and if the time is right to go all in. And so I just like from photography, I basically poured every penny back into the photo biz and, you know, use my nine to five to fund life. And yes. then at some point, then I was able to make that transition. So I totally love what you're saying and encourage all that. So can you establish, I think people get so confused about the difference between like 1099 mm-hmm. contractors, side hustlers, like all these different things and all the different terminology. So do you have any important reminders or maybe even cautionary advice for first time 1099 contractors Mm -hmm. when it comes to minimizing their taxes and kind of what that looks like? Yeah, for sure. So I would say the first like proactive thing would be those investment accounts where like, hopefully, yes, if you are saving that income, like you can set 20% of it aside and not pay any taxes on it, which is great. But Apart from contributing to those, I think it's important to be diligent about cataloging your expenses as well. So if you are a 1099 contractor, you probably have costs associated with whatever type of work you're doing. And especially because I think we often spend pretty freely for our businesses. To your point, you were investing everything back into the business. That is usually code for I'm spending more money to grow this business more. But when you do that, the beautiful thing about the tax code is that you can justify that as a business expense. But if you're not categorizing and keeping track of the spending and you can do it in a spreadsheet, if you want to be really lo-fi, or you can go like middle road option and get something like QuickBooks, or you can hire an accountant like Jenna did. If you're not 
tracking those things, though, you're probably missing out on deductions. And you want to be able to properly categorize everything from ad spend to the cost of the website, to your work travel, to work meals, to a portion of your home office expenses, and just make sure that you're able to write all of it off when you are filing your tax return. So you don't have to pay taxes on the income that you've invested back into the business through calling them business expenses. And it's just so much harder to do this retroactively if you kind of spend willy-nilly and then a year later look back and be like, oh, what was I buying last June for the... Like, It's just so much easier to track it as you go. I would also add that it probably makes sense early on to just go ahead and open the business checking account and business credit card to keep all transactions separate from your personal financial life. I waited an embarrassingly long time to do this. I'm ashamed to admit it it took a really long time for me. But if you ever get audited by the IRS, it'll make the process way less painful. And it's also just nice to like have some separation of church and state mentally. That way, business income, you're kind of like mentally categorizing it differently. And this is not a sponsored plug by any means. I just really like the Tax Act software. If you are somebody that is W-2 and 1099, or you have like a complex situation, but you're maybe not at the point yet where you're ready to hire a CPA, their Mm -hmm. software from what I've seen and all the different ones I've tried for filing returns, if you have a complex earning situation is probably the best. Like last year I had three W-2s and you know, 15, 1099 NECs, which are what, like, if you have like a brand sponsor, like that's how they'll pay you or how they'll report the income that they paid you last year. And it walked me through every step of the process from like writing off my home office space to our cross country move. And I'm like a little bit weird in that way because I like doing my own taxes. But I also think that if (laughs) you're not a weirdo, the CPA route probably makes sense because you can pay them $300 and they'll just do it all for you. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that. And you know, it's funny too, because like even with my accountant, like when I first started, they were just advising, then they started doing the bookkeeping, then they started doing the taxes, then they started doing the payroll. Like where you can start off super simple. Yes. And like, I've literally been with them for over 10 years and they're in a town of 1200 people. So if I can find a great accountant in a town of 1200 people, like you can find someone, but I think that's so powerful. And like, I know so many entrepreneurs who only look at their numbers once a year and that's around tax time. And that is like the worst thing because they're like, I have worked so hard. And then when they actually see profit and loss statements or a balance sheet, they're like shocked yeah. that they didn't make more or that like they're, you know, the numbers that they thought they would see are mm-hmm. totally different once you take out all the expenses and things. And so yeah. I just think if you can get in the practice of like monthly check-ins, whether you get Katie's amazing like wealth sheet and like work through that once a month, <laughs> or you, you know, have an accountant that sends you, you know, your QuickBooks or whatever that looks like. I think it is so powerful for you to have this monthly snapshot yeah. because it, it really helps for you to see too. Sometimes you're spending so much time on things or projects or offers that don't even move the needle. Yep. And it's like, if you could go all in on the thing that isn't giving you re- the results, it could totally transform your business. So I think I this is you said so that. good. Talk I, about had a, I had that same sentiment about one-on-ones. I used to do little like yes. one-on-one consulting calls and I would charge, I don't know, like 120 bucks for that. Yeah. And 
I would look at, I, that's how I realized though, is, is actually month to month tracking and going in and paying attention to where revenue was coming from being like, I kind of dread those and they're not scalable. And I'm really just trading my time for money. And you know, it makes up less than 10% on my monthly revenue. Screw it. I'm just not going to do those anymore. And it was like the easiest decision ever. Once I just defined kind of my, like, you know, output versus outcome of, you know, how much effort do I want to invest in order to make a certain return? And it's just really, really hard to make those types of decisions if you're not close to the numbers. Yes. I want our listeners to go back to your episode from June 8th on Money with Katie. It's building a six-figure side hustle, monetizing content and budgeting with variable income. This episode is pure gold. And you actually (laughs) talk a lot about these certain topics in it, in that finding, like, you know, a lot of times we're trading time for money. And I often think that that is a requirement to get things off the ground at times, right? You Mm -hmm. learn so much, you recognize like where there are themes or trends or where you're repeating yourself or things like that, that help inspire things that you can create once and serve many with. But I loved hearing your journey about how you did that and how you were paying attention. Like, wait a minute, like this guide that I made is like bringing this in. And if I can create some sort of structure around the promotion of this, you know, and so I just, I really loved that because my brain naturally thinks in that way, but a lot of people don't. Mm-hmm. And so I loved hearing your process in like establishing, here's what's moving the needle. Here's how I like capitalize on that. And here's how I figure out how I'm moving forward. So everyone go well, listen you. to that episode. I loved it. <laughs> okay. So talk to me, let's talk about variable income. Cause you actually touch on that in that episode. Yeah. And it's something that entrepreneurs don't talk about enough. And for almost every line of entrepreneurship that I can think of, there is going to be a degree of variability in your income. There will be mm-hmm. themes, trends, you'll see seasonal things. Walk me through how can entrepreneurs kind of navigate the variability that comes with entrepreneurship? Yeah, I think my best advice, and I'm saying that with the caveat of like, I'm not a financial planner, I'm yeah. just an obsessor, but my my best advice for variable income has three main components. So the first is, establish the cash cushion slash slush fund right out the gate. So this should be six to 12 months worth of your, you know, spending needs in cash that you can access easily. So not only does this mean that you won't have to dip into your traditional savings during a lean month, but it also means you don't have to make business decisions out of a place of desperation. So an entrepreneur with variable income should almost always have more cash on hand than like a salaried W-2 employee with predictable income. And you can literally keep it in like a separate checking account or even in the business savings account, you know, wherever you feel comfortable, but you just want a larger than usual cash cushion available to draw from that you during lean months could tap if you needed, but then replenish it during the fat months where like things are going really well. So it can kind of help to smooth out like the choppiness of the variability in income. The second thing would be to set up your baseline expenses. So 
I would sit down and make a list of all the expenses that have to be paid every month. Your very baseline things. So think rent or mortgage, childcare, healthcare, groceries, car payments, insurance, you name it. Anything that you can't just turn off if things go sideways. So for example, like your shopping budget, your travel budget, your restaurant budget, those don't count. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the stuff that keeps the metaphoric lights on both for you personally and for your business. This, if you know, if you have employees, if you're that far along, that means their salaries or their payments too. But this is what you can think about is like the minimum amount that you need to take in every month after taxes just to survive, not to thrive, to survive your survival Mm -hmm. baseline. And then the third thing I think would be setting up what I'll call like the thrive expenses. So now that the mortgage is paid, the kids are in daycare, what do you want your lifestyle to look like? Do you want biweekly pedicures? Do you want to travel once a quarter? Like, how are you going to spend in a way that actually brings you joy? but that could be tapered back if you really needed to. So this is the thrive on top of the survive. And it helps to show you how much wiggle room you would have in a typical monthly budget. And ideally then like you'd be keeping these numbers lower than your income, hopefully quite a bit lower than your income, because you want to be able to survive, thrive and save for future you. So I would shoot for, you know, trying to save 20 to 25% of income if I'm really going for gold here and and still trying to be kind of realistic. And it won't always be exact, but you really want to establish that range of like what you need so you can understand how much margin you've got between your income and expenses, particularly because I think it is really fun to do what you love for a living, but it is less fun if you're like, I don't know how I'm going to pay rent. It's not fun enough to make up for financial insecurity. (laughs) (laughs) So I think getting really clear on those things ahead of time can almost help you stay grounded in reality. Like if you know that your business can bring in $4,000 a month, but you need $4,500 a month to like live the life you actually want to live, it's probably not time to go full time yet. Like you probably need to continue to grow and ramp up like with the foundation or the security of a steadier paycheck, you know, so that you're not having to make those decisions out of scarcity and fear, which I think is, you know, the quickest way to start whittling down the success and potential of a business is to start making decisions based on like, Oh, I need this money next week. So I need to sell something. Yes. Hey, gold diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top notch. Article's online only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer 
team is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and I was there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. On top of my many titles as mom, entrepreneur, and creative, I've also added host. Drew and I host on Airbnb on our favorite island in Hawaii. We started hosting as a way to make some extra income, and we've had such an easy breezy experience. Now we host year after year, and it's been a fantastic side hustle. Not to brag, but we've also been crowned Airbnb Superhost several times, so we are really killing the game. It's about having spaces we can enjoy as a family while creating memorable experiences for our guests, and it helps that we earn a little extra cash on the side. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Oh my gosh. Speaking of... Talk to me about the different revenue streams that you created (laughs) to kind of give you the confidence to go all in because you were really smart and didn't just rely on one thing. And so walk me through just a few of the ideas because maybe it'll get somebody thinking through just different ways that they can add more security and not rely on just one thing to survive. Yeah. Well, I feel like I'm cheating when I answer this question because I was very risk averse about going truly full time. And if you listen to the episode that Jenna mentioned, you will kind of get the like deepest deep dive. But to keep it semi high level, I did start by selling those low ticket digital products. So like 25 to 30 bucks a pop, and then eventually layered in several other sources of income. So like higher ticket courses, still not what I would consider traditionally high ticket, but like a few hundred dollars sponsorships from brands and affiliate marketing income. So I would say it took me, yeah, eight months to start selling digital products four more months to get a sponsor. And then another eight months or so to add the next several sources of revenue. But I think the reason that I am such a fan of like really diversifying as soon as it makes sense is that the first full year of monetization for Money with Katie netted around $225,000 in profit and with very low costs associated, right? Because like it's really just like me pouring into the content as opposed to having to sell physical products, which is a great benefit of like a fully digital company. Mm-hmm. But at its height, What I think is really crucial to highlight is there were roughly 12 different streams of income across various products, various sponsors, and affiliates. So I knew some months, like certain things would be higher than others because something was more timely or there was just for whatever reason, like an anomalous bump in something, just like there would be an anomalous down month in something, but that was okay. Mm-hmm. Cause I had this 12 legged stool that I was relying on. Yeah. But the funny thing is that I didn't end up actually taking the full-time leap in the traditional sense. I sold my brand to the larger media company, Morning Brew, which basically then morphed money with Katie into a, a nine to five 
with a revenue share component. So that kind of perfectly fit my risk tolerance of like wanting to continue to grow, but wanting the stability of traditional full-time employment that happened in January, 2022. So like I would say 18 months after I started Money with Katie. So it didn't take a long time, but it also didn't happen overnight, right? Like there was a lot of, it was consistently two long form pieces and countless short form pieces every single week for a year and a half that, you know, laddered up to that outcome. Oh, I love that. You know, what's so amazing. And this will make you maybe feel better. I am so not risk. Like I don't like risk at all. I need yeah. security first and foremost. I was still shooting weddings when I had a million dollar business. I was still literally sloughing camera gear, 20 weeks pregnant with Coco when I had a million dollar business. Like here's oh the thing. My is, God. I am so slow to abandon what has gotten me somewhere where like, you know what I mean? And so it's so funny because I was recently with someone who reminded me of that. And I was like, Oh my God, you're right. And they were like, you were just like holding on to it. Cause you were like, who am I without this? And I mean, I think that's totally an identity thing as well. Dude. But at the same point too, it's like, for me, security is like the number one thing, because I feel like I can't be creative if I don't feel safe and secure preach. Amen. So same exact. That's how most entrepreneurs are. And it's like, that's why I think what you're saying is just so powerful of like not acting out of desperation and having some sort of plan and like having savings in place, because I think true creatives thrive when there's this Mm -hmm. level and degree of safety and security that allows you to really keep the passion alive. And so, yeah, I think this is like, I cannot believe that. Isn't that wild? Oh my God. I, yeah, I thought I was risk averse. Dang girl. No, you just took the cake. You took Okay, great out of my mouth. Isn't but that I, um, wild? It's I do so think funny. that like so often too, like what I hear people say about money is like, oh, it just, it's almost like this intimidation factor or it's like, you're afraid of what you're going to find when you start peeling back the layers. And so it's easier just to kind of like keep your head in the sand. But for me, at least I was kind of shocked that once you get through that initial phase of like being uncomfortable and being kind of like, what is going on? I found that even if what you find when you peel back the layers isn't good, it's still just knowing what's there 10 times out of 10 beats that like Schrodinger's cat financial situation where you're like, I am simultaneously rich and poor because I have no idea how much money I have or like what's actually happening beneath the surface. So I think for anyone that's like, Ooh, I like want to get involved or I want to start being more proactive. I think it just comes down to like, have the glass of wine and start logging into the accounts. And like, you just got to push through that first wave Truly. of like fear and discomfort. And then you're going to be on the other side and be like, wow, that wasn't so bad. And now I feel like I'm in control and like actively pursuing safety and yes. security. Oh my gosh. I agree. I think the fear of the unknown is almost scarier than just For the sure. knowing and making an action plan. And I feel like entrepreneurship is literally asking yourself, like, what's the worst that could happen and making a plan Mm -hmm. around it and going for it. And so I'm so excited. Katie, where can everybody connect with you, learn more about you, listen to your show, give us all the places. Well, thanks. So I'm not very creative. So it's just money with Katie everywhere. Money with Katie on Instagram. I bought the domain, (laughs) y'all. I got to get my $20 worth. Money with Katie on Twitter and Instagram. I'm most active on Instagram, but Twitter is definitely growing on me. And then if you like podcasts, check out the Money with Katie show wherever you get your podcasts. And I would start with that episode that Jenna mentioned, because I think it's probably going to be a really good fit if you like Gold Digger. 
Amen. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I feel like we should do like a quarterly financial hotspot oh, from Katie. I love it. <laughs> um, because this is so good. And I love the way that you present the information and I'm just so grateful. So thanks for coming oh, on. Gold thank Digger. you. I'm blushing. Thank you. <laughs> Look at us growing up and things. <laughs> When people ask me what I love about podcasting, it's this, it's getting to have conversations with fascinating people, with experts, with people who are so much smarter than I am. And I just loved this conversation with Katie. And I really loved her origin story about how she just became curious. And then that curiosity led to an obsession and that obsession led to sharing that knowledge. And I just think it's so powerful. It's such a reminder for all of us, like your curiosities aren't random. And it's up to you to pursue them in whatever way you feel called to. I hope today you leave with so much new knowledge, with some encouragement, with enlightenment on the topic of finances. And I can't wait for you to dig in to yours and to see what's possible for you and to create a plan that gives you the safety and security to stay creative. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Gold Digger. If you haven't taken a moment to rate and review the show and you love it, will you do that? It helps us so much. And I know as a podcast host, Katie would also agree on that. So take a second, send this episode to a friend who might need it, leave a rating and review. And thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Gold Digger Podcast. Of course, until next time, keep on digging your biggest goals. I'm over here giving you a virtual high five because you just finished another episode of the Gold Digger Podcast. Did that go by way too fast for anyone else? If you want more, head over to golddiggerpodcast.com for show notes and all the discount codes from today's sponsors. And if you're looking for a new crew of movers and shakers like you to bounce ideas and ask questions, be sure to join my exclusive community for gold diggers on Facebook. The link's waiting for you at golddiggerpodcast.com. Hey, Gold Diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer care team is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and I was there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more.